From Flourish DX, this is the Psych Health and Safety Podcast. With workplace mental health becoming a safety prerogative, this is the source of information on psychological injury prevention and health promotion. Hi, and welcome to the Psych Health and Safety Podcast. My name is Jason Denshee, and I'm one of the hosts of the show. The aim of the podcast is to rapidly increase the knowledge and application of psychological health and safety in workplaces worldwide. To help with this, we have regular guests from around the world who are leading the way in this important area. But before I introduce our guest and topic for today, allow me to introduce my co-host, Joel Mitchell. How are you today, Joel? I'm impressed, Jason. I've um, I've been listening to you talking to um, investors for, for most of the day, so I have a new appreciation for um, what it what it's like to be a founder, um, and it's not something that I uh, have any interest in doing. It's not my favorite part of the job, let me tell you that. I prefer to get on with things, but it's a necessary evil to mm. make sure that we have the capital to do what we need to do. Yes, yes. yes. Um, yep, you got put through the ringer a little bit. So, um, yeah, better you than me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you for your empathy, Joel. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah. Anything else going on in the life of Joel besides listening to my conversations? Um, my son's getting a merit award at school tomorrow. Yep, that's, uh, that's big. Yep. 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 Um, no, nothing, nothing. Um, my life's comparatively stable at the moment. That's actually really positive. For it you, is Joel. for me. Like, yeah, yeah. Just to have amazing. nothing of, of significance to comment on. Um, yep. Yeah. We're talking about going from negative 10 to like plus five, which is probably pretty good. Yeah. Or even a zero would be a good. A zero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just neutral. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Well, um, great to hear, Joel, that things are looking up, even though they're kind of <laughs> neutral at the moment. But um, let's let's introduce our guest, hey? Yes. Okay. So uh, she's based in the UK and has almost 30 years of risk management experience across a variety of blue chip, SME and public sector organisations. Highly respected in the field of health and safety, she was elected to IOSH president-elect at the end of 2020. Welcome to the podcast, Louise Hosking. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. No, great to have you. Um, again, you're one of the more difficult people to schedule on, um, but I believe now you'll talk to anyone. You were just saying before that you're on six podcasts this week or something. Yeah, so I think for some reason it's been kind of podcast week, which is fantastic. But um, we were just saying that these days you can connect with anybody on LinkedIn. So, you know, it's just great to have made that connection and to be here. So thank you for the invitation. Yeah, no, thank you. Yeah, we're definitely pleased to have you on. Um, what we like to ask our guests first up is what are their favourite podcasts? So what are you listening to, Louise? Oh, well, what are my favourite podcasts? That's a huge question. Well, I've got to say the IOSH podcast, haven't I? <laughs> so um, IOSH have some great podcasts that come on monthly on a Thursday. And actually, we have um, branches across the world as well, and groups that are putting on some great content. So I think the IOSH content is phenomenal. Um, and I was actually one of the podcasts I was on this week was Red Risks. They always do really great content too. So he has worldwide speakers, um, on that pod from around the world um, and and I tend to be one of these ones where somebody will say that I've, I've, I've seen something great and I'll just launch onto it so yeah there's some really fantastic content out there right now. Yeah definitely um, we've had a look at Red Risk um, a couple of times as well so yeah definitely I think we uh, pinched one of our guests from them so 
Uh, yeah, yep. <laughs> <laughs> a good one. Um, all right, look, you're in a um, a very interesting role now. Can you tell us about your professional career and sort of how you got to where you are? Yeah, I mean, um, professionally, I actually began my career as an environmental health officer. Um, so I worked um, for a local authority. I was a regulator. I quite liked going to court, actually. <laughs> So <laughs> I was I was quite a mean, you know, I, I used the powers that I had as an environmental health officer. So um, that was great. Um, but I was I've always been one of these people that I want to solve problems and, you know, make the environment around me better, I guess. So um, I worked for the cooperative. Um, and I had quite a big region, uh, you know, still in my 20s. Um, so I started with health and safety as a first career. Um, I spent some time in construction. I've been um, head of health and safety for property management consultancy Savills. Um, and I'm now a consultant, so um, which is great because I get to um, meet all sorts of people in a variety of sectors. Um, and it enables me to do all the volunteering that I'm doing for IOSH as well. So I guess I've reached that point in my career where it's really important for me to give back to the profession um, and support those that are coming on behind us to learn the lessons that we've learned and to give back. Um, and I really want to retire one day, which would be great. Thank you for that, Louise. That was a very succinct um, summary of probably what's a fairly um, detailed and lengthy career, but um, it sounds like you've got some fairly diverse experience there that should uh, serve you well in this capacity. Yeah. Um, yeah. 29 years condensed into less than a minute, I think. So that's uh, pretty impressive. <laughs> <It's> very impressive. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, mean, I, I, I was going to say that, um, you know, in terms of my IOSH career, that's, that's been very much about, you know, giving back. And I think for those of us that, uh, you know, at that stage, particularly right now, I think it's really import, important to support those that are coming up behind us. And we can do that through, you know, IOSH or through professional organisations around the world. Yeah, well, that's not a bad segue, actually, because um, you'll find that a lot of our listeners are from the health and safety profession mm -hmm. and obviously would be very familiar with IOSH. But we have others from the areas of psychology or, you know, um, HR and people in culture that probably aren't. So yeah. maybe imagine I've never heard of IOSH before. So maybe you can let us know who they are and, and what is your, your role at IOSH? Yeah, yeah. So, so IOSH is a membership organisation. We represent um, health and safety professionals around the world. Um, we've got members in well over 130 countries. Um, and I think we're, I'm quite, we're, um, so President um, Jimmy Quinn and I are constantly saying how many have we got at the moment and I think it is touching 48,000 members around the world wow. so it is the largest um, membership organisation for health and safety um, and we have um, branches and groups and we have about a thousand volunteers as well which is incredible all supporting the work that IOSH is doing um, which is phenomenal and I think that network of individuals has really come to the fore um, throughout this whole pandemic which has been incredible so we're very much we're trainers we're advocates 
um, we're there to support our membership. And um, what what consumes the role of a president elect at IOSH? Oh so, yeah, wow. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was I for for no, I've actually just only just stepped down from being a um, branch chair. So I applied to become a vice president three and a half years ago which I was eligible to do as a branch chair. Um, and that gave me a role on IOSH Council, which is the, a, a body that represents members' views within IOSH. Um, and I was elected president-elect last year. And my role this year is very much preparing me for the role of president, which I will step into in November of this year. Um, and you know, learning from our current president, Jimmy Quinn, um, supporting his role and, and, and doing these kind of things. So talking about health and safety. Um, I'm also vice chair of council as well. So there's a whole governance piece that's tied up in the role. So it certainly keeps me busy. Yeah, sounds like it. Um, so... From what I've seen, it looks like IOSH has been doing quite a lot of work in the areas of psychosocial risk and workplace mental health. Would you like to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, one of the phenomenal pieces that that IOSH does, and I think it, it kind of does stand out um, from other membership organisations, is that it actually has, um, it funds research, which is fantastic. So there's been some great research um, that IOSH has actually undertaken even before the pandemic um, around psychosocial um, risk and health. Um, and I, I'd advocate anybody it's all freely downloadable um we did uh, I'm, I'm gonna wave some i actually do have some hard copies of of this one which is the white paper that was published with management today really worth um having a look at um and i'm sure we'll sort of delve into some of the topics around prevention first techniques in respect of that um and that really looked at you know having mental first state mental health first aiders within organizations and were they effective um we've looked at return to work as well so that's been an area of research and there's guidance on the website about that because obviously if people have um suffered from mental health illness and they're coming back into the workplace that can take some adjustments so there's some really great guidance on the website around that um, and there's some there's a whole plethora of pages around um, COVID-19 um, and returning to work because we know, you know, all of us are here today because we know that, you know, it's we're not just going to lose people from the pandemic. Um, we're going to lose people um, through you know, because of their psychological health as well. So um, there's a whole load of resources. There's also um, some great um, climate tools on the website. So I'm sure we'll delve into that today is, is how you, you know, where does a health and safety professional start in terms of looking at an organisation? And there's tools on the website that will help in that regard as well. Fantastic. And um, have you got anything sort of underway that's, um, 
in the works but not published yet? I can't tell you that. That's the biggest to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, in terms of um, what we're doing, sort of, IOSH is all around work 2022, and we've got six key pillars um within IOSH um mental health wellness has always been within there um Jimmy Quinn our current president it's one of his themes for his presidential year um and I think that theme will you know we're very much we very much work closely together so as my presidential year comes through I'm anticipating that I will start, I'm, I'm really interested in how we create um, psychological, organisational psychological safety. So how do we, you know, advise and support organisations and businesses to create an environment that is psychologically safe? So that will probably evolve into my year. Um, and the other piece that um, one of the other core pillars for IOSH, which we'll see coming through um, over the coming year, is going to be around um, human capital, which we're all talking about as well. So that's a key. It's always been one of the six key pillars, but it's going to be a pillar that IOSH pushes forward. And that's all about putting our people first. So if we put our people first, um, you know, everything else should come around it. And, you know, we get that balance of people, um, profits, and, and, and we have balance in our organisations and, and, and we can start to manage that psychological risk within our businesses. Yeah, but there's definitely a, um, the, the two are really intertwined, aren't they? Mm -hmm. Psychological health and safety and, and human capital, you sort of, yeah, um, yeah you, you can't have human capital without a healthy workforce yeah I think um I mean one of the things I always say if you google health if you google human capital you know it does pick up health wellness um you know those kind of terms that we talk about in terms of psychological safety but it doesn't always pick up health and safety mm -hmm. so I, I think that you know we were talking earlier there's that you know is is this part of a health and safety professionals remit or is it HR? Um, I think within the human capital sphere, it's always been there in terms of psychological health, that the health and safety element hasn't. Um, and for me, you can't separate the two. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. And it's um, really interesting what's happening in, in the UK. Uh, obviously, uh, you've had a much longer period of lockdown than what we have in Australia. We've been uh, relatively unscathed by the pandemic. I'm very mm -hmm. fortunate here. Um, but even before the pandemic, right, uh, with the latest uh, data from the Labor Force survey from, that the HSC published, you know, if we look at all of non-fatal injuries and, and illnesses, work-related stress, anxiety, depression, again, for a large percentage of those, right? Yeah, huge percentage is, I mean, that became the number one reason for people to be off work um, from a health related condition. So it actually took over MSDs. Um, so we already knew we were going, you know, we, we were facing um, an issue even before the pandemic. Um, and now that we're 
where we are, that's just been exacerbated. So, you know, we have an issue on our hands. I think, you know, we in it's like everything, isn't it? It's putting the H into into health and safety is putting the health back into it. Um, and it's it's easy to see, you know, safety issues around the workplace and within our organisations. But managing health, um, I, as a psychologist in Ireland once said, said to me, it's like managing jelly, you know, is it's it's not an easy, tangible, tangible issue to get hold of and to manage in the same way. Um, and we all have to be a little bit vulnerable to manage this well. And I think in terms of our, you know, leadership, um, our leadership needs to be a little bit vulnerable to, to manage this well as well. So it's taking, um, it's a change in our approach, um, but we need, you know, if the pandemic's shown us anything, it's how connected we are as people. So this is our time. Yeah, so if the role of, of health and safety is to keep people healthy uh, and productive uh, and to allow them to go home in an at least as good a state as when they arrived, mm -hmm. um, we're going to need OHS generalists to step up, right, and um, not just leave this to HR to, to manage as a risk. So uh, how do you view the role of the generalist OHS professional um, in the psych health and safety area? Yeah, so so I mean, there's I mean, any of us that hang out on LinkedIn, there's so much chatter around this, isn't it? Is you know, is this a health and safety issue? Um, well, you know, health it's part of health. If people are becoming unhealthy because of their work, and they're becoming unwell because of their work. Um, that is a health and safety issue. Um, and, and we also know that it's if, if people have prolonged um, feelings of anxiety, stress, depression, um, that manifests in physical issues. So, so this is a health and safety issue. It's, it's part of managing health within the workplace. And our role <clears throat> our role is as advocates to protect people in the workplace so so that's why it fits in with what we do we don't you know we're not being psychologists to manage this that's not what who we are um our role is really to 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 work within our organizations we're great collaborators we're great be great facilitators to actually work with um, our HR colleagues to, to manage this through organisations, but it absolutely is a, an, a hugely important aspect of, of what we're all going to be looking at and managing, I think, in the, in the coming, coming years. It's going to change and switch our roles around, I think. Yeah, so you mentioned the, the skill set, I guess, around uh, collaboration for the general mm -hmm. health and safety professional, and, and that's a really important skill set around psych health and safety, because uh, you, you know, you're right, it's not about being the psychologist or being the OD mm -hmm. HR professional and, you know, redesigning work, uh, you work with those. But what mm -hmm. other skill sets do you think are important for the, the generalist um, in this field of psych health and safety? Yeah, so so yeah, I, I was thinking about this before I came on today. It's like, how can I be succinct in this as well? So, because that's a huge question, isn't it? And I think one of the things 
I, the pandemic has definitely changed how people view us. Um, and the other piece about the pandemic is we've had loads of new things happen that none of us have faced before. And I think this psychological crisis is a new thing that we've got to face that we haven't done before. Um, but we have some really great tools in our toolkit. And, and part of those tools are our ability to manage risk really well. Um, and if we use those core principles that are around how we do our jobs to identify hazards and to manage risk, it's no different in this arena and looking for those you know, how can we come together to look for preventative measures? But as we enter this arena and we start talking about this, it's not about the technical, it's not, we need to know the technical stuff, but it's how we approach this and approach it as a topic and how we interrelate with people within our organizations to listen better, to be more empathetic, to you know, create those psychologically safe environments where we trust each other, where you know, we can talk to the person standing next to us about how we're feeling and how they're making us feel. And we can support each other in a different kind of way. And it's gonna take a, a different approach. It's gonna be, you know, we talk about soft skills for me soft skills are definitely not soft I call them power skills um and actually this is another reason why this is coming at a great time for IOSH is that we're looking at the competency framework for health and safety professionals generally and these power skills as I'm calling them um are really core part of of um how the modern health and safety professional will will you know, start to, to, you know, adapt for the future. Yeah, no, there's uh, a number of very important skills there. Um, one that's come to mind for me uh, in recent times is, you know, how the modern health and safety professional needs to uh, understand data and need to create mm. better insights and, you know, use that for tracking and improvement and whatnot. And obviously a big thing that is important in risk management of psych hazards is uh, hazard identification and collecting yeah. data about the, the the source of the stress, right? Not, yeah. not looking at symptoms here and purely outcomes, but how are we measuring things like, you know, role overload or role clarity or supervisor support and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. So do you have any thoughts on that about how um, health and safety could perhaps you know, understand the risk more and, and use data better um, in order to inform their risk management of, of psych hazards? Yeah, I think I think we've got to get better at tech. Um, I, I was corresponding on something completely random last week, I think, and, and sort of saying that um, I genuinely feel, you know, I've, I've had this career where I've gone into all these different types of organizations and I, I meet so many amazing health and safety professionals now and I genuinely think that health and safety has been massively under-resourced for for a long long time you know this stigma with health and safety has meant that it's been an add-on in organizations 
And whereas, you know, you talk to someone about sales or finance or marketing, they will have information about their customers and data that helps them to drive their business forward. Yet, when we start to talk about health and safety, it's it, we go to the lowest denominator constantly. So how can we do this as cheaply as possible? Um, and you're right, we, we need more tech and we need more information about our people within our organizations to be able to manage this well. Um, you know, it's climate tools, you know, there's some really basic climate tools that are out there that will give us information about our people. Um, but I still go into lots of organizations where they don't even have that link between, oh, we've got people in a single department, they're all going off sick for a variety of different reasons in one part of the business. And it's not linking back to the health and safety team. So, so yeah, you're absolutely right. We need to be better at tech. We need to invest in this if we're really going to start to move forward and and keep people healthy at work yeah so speaking of investments we can obviously wait for our employers um, to invest in in these sorts of areas but what about the health and safety practitioner who wants to invest in themselves and upskilling themselves in psych health and safety um, you know do you have any suggestions for them yeah, well, I mean, just as we were talking, I mean, there's so much information at the moment. So I think, yeah, listen to a good podcast like this. <laughs> so, you know, it's definitely going to teach you. I, I think we like this one, Joel. We do. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, listen to pods. There's so much great information out there. Um, I mean, I, I, we've never had a period of time where we, all of these great speakers um are out there and talking about their work and informing and supporting other people so I think for me that's been a great source of information because I've been able to access people and have conversations about this um so so definitely that's been a huge support um I think the other investment to to make is potentially in in your power skills in your soft skills so you know I always talk about mentoring have a mentor be a mentor um invest in your own personal development as well um in, understand more about business you know understand more about you know what draw you know you you opened by talking about leadership and you know, if you're running an organization, there's very different pulls on your priorities that people often don't see what leaders do on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and perhaps we'll talk about their psychological health as well. Um, so, so I would say learn all about business, um, but at the same time, don't neglect the technical aspects as well. So, you know, gain your qualifications, think about what you're interested in, you know, specialisms. I think psychology is going to become a, a bigger part of what we do as we move forward as well. So, yeah. Yeah, no, sky's the limit. There's lots of uh, opportunities. And like you say, really great resources out there. Um, there really is. 
Yeah, and yeah, never been more information. And there's obviously a little bit of an issue um, with having too much information in that, you know, not being able to find out, you know, what is the best source or what's the yeah. truth. Um, a lot of so-called experts out there as well. Um, this, I, I call those people snake oil sales people. Yeah, so yes. you were going to say salesmen, but you made it more inclusive. I, I like do. that. Yes. Yeah, um, They're not just men. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> salesmen, women. Um, yeah. Um, so <laughs> we... Uh, yeah, so we, we agree there's heaps of content out there. This episode will actually air after our first live panel we were talking about mm -hmm. off air, um, which is really trying to distill, you know, all that great information out there into the basics and, uh, you know, just understanding the basics of the four-step risk management process and how that applies to the management of psych hazards, I think is really important. But it's great that IOSH is putting some um, really good information out there as well. Mm, yeah, definitely. So I think it's, um, yeah, for people who are grappling with... Um, too much choice of information. I think that it is about yeah going back to who's um, who's a reputable source of information. And always, always, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, in the UK, and and I know this is so. So I know you guys. Um, Peter Kelly's a great friend of mine. He's he's just been phenomenal in all of this. Um, you know, he's been really out there and talking about it. Um, and the HSE website, he was saying to me that it's it's it gets, I think it's one of the top five hits in the UK um, and around the world because all of the content on the HSE website is is free to access. Um, and there's some really great content in terms of this on the HSE website as well, um, which Peter has written. So I'll give him a shout out for that. Yeah, and shout out to their podcast, which is not a ripoff of ours at all, the UK all. Psych and Health and Safety Podcast. Complete coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter's great. The more people talking about it, the better. Oh, we, we agree. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. Um, so you mentioned before um, Work 2020. Um, mm -hmm. You mentioned the, the couple of pillars there that relate to um, psych health and safety. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, so... Um, Again, that comes back to research um, that IOSH has done where it, it, it kind of picked out the six main pillars. Um, you know, what are the what are the drivers? And, and bearing in mind this was pre-pandemic, we were looking at this. Um, and we know that um mental health um was was always a, a core piece around that. And and I think this is being driven by business leaders as well. So we know that we've got significant um, sickness absence due to this as well. So, so there's a, a whole piece of work that's going on around that. Um, and some of the work that Jimmy's been um, looking at with a, with, a, with a council group actually um, is looking at... Um, psychological health of, of the health and safety professional too so you know if quite often um there's lots of health and safety professionals you know I often say we're, we're in a role that can be quite isolated within organizations um but also there's a lot of you know people that work for themselves they don't have others around them um so you know how can we support each other um, through all of this as well so so that is a key pillar 
um, that we feel is, is hugely important and it, it has focused a lot of the research programs that have, have gone on and is going to move forward into the human capital pillar as well. So can you tell us a bit more about the relationship between those two pillars? Um, yeah, I mean, for me, it's um, I, I, human capital. You Google it, it will, it will talk about health, wellness, you know, all of those pieces. And it's basically tied in with, um, so we've been looking at the UN sustainability goals include a number of health and safety issues as well. Um, and it, all around health and all around people. And we know that if we can invest in our people and support our people from a prevention first um, angle, which is absolutely what we advocate in IOSH, um, we're gonna support our people and those businesses will become more sustainable into the future when we focus on building our people, training our people. You know, there is an element of resilience, but I'm a huge advocate for how we um, create organizations that are psychologically safe as well. Um, and, you know, that, that all feeds into the human capital piece because we believe that there is value in, we can create value as health and safety professionals in that way because we're going to end up with more productive people, more productive workforces. We know that good work is good for people as well. Um, so, you know, if people have been laid off during this crisis. That affects mental health. So, so good work is good for people and it's encouraging that approach to business. So, so that's kind of all tied in with human capital. Thank you. That, um, I think that was a really good um, clear explanation of how all of that fits together and I think mm. that um you know the people always talk about the ROI on on mental health initiative yeah. that you know it just seems to me like a little bit of a no-brainer because you know if you're burning your people out all the time and they're not able to actually you know meet the meet the requirements of the task or if the task the requirements of the task are too much for them um, you know, you're going to have high turnover, you're going to have high absenteeism, you're going to have people who are disengaged, you know, it's just, it's going to impact your productivity, you're going to have greater recruitment costs, um, you, you know, you're going to have people who don't want to work for you. So your, you know, your pool of um, potential new hires is going to be diminished. You know, there's all sorts of, um, of impacts there on your, your business success um, that can really be mitigated if you're addressing your, your psychological hazards. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a complete no-brainer. Um, another piece of work, which is another piece of research that they did, there's a publication called The Healthy Profit. Again, just Google Healthy Profit and it will come through. And there's some great infographics on there about, you know, if you invest in this, this is the return on investment. Um, but I would caveat that with saying that has been created around much larger organizations um, and the conversation about return on investment is a really interesting one because there is a return on investment from getting this right um, but I want to turn the conversation around and say we add value to organizations um, by creating those you know by by 
putting good health and by putting our people first so so let's look at it as a value um rather than constantly trying to calculate what is this return on investment because that's a really difficult thing to do in terms of the work that we do yeah and there's um you know there's a lot to be said for um you know, having having a workforce that's actually committed to the organisation mm-hmm. because they treat you well. You know, you when you're when you're working somewhere where you know that um, your organisation has has some empathy for you when you're going through a hard time and that they're you know they're going to support you. Then when you're through that hard time, you're going to be a lot more dedicated and a lot more committed um, and and willing to sort of step up and and contribute um, than if you feel like your organisation doesn't really care about you and you're just sort of grist for the mill. Yeah, I, I think, you know, people want to have meaning, don't they? And they want to have um, purpose in terms of what they're doing. Um, but if people are, are turning up for work and they're working within a, you know, toxic work environment, um, they're not going to get any of that. And we need to start you know, we need to start talking about, we've all been in environments where those relationships are are not healthy relationships. And if we were outside of work, you, you wouldn't put up with it. But for some reason, we think that some of those relationships and some of those management styles are for some reason acceptable. So, so we need to start questioning why i guess golden handcuffs have probably got something to do with it (laughs) yeah i mean it's a really tricky one isn't it it's you know it's the same it's this it's this vulnerability you know i mean i always talk about you know command and control has has made an awful lot of people very very successful um and you know it's a hard habit to break isn't it um and in order to to do this we all have to be a little bit more vulnerable um and when you are in a leadership role that's quite an uncomfortable you've got to step outside your comfort zone to do that um karen james who is an australian um who's chief executive of, of erm um i heard her speak recently and and she said you know chief executive officer now stands for chief empathy officer which i think is is absolutely right you know this time that we're going through is you know the the good organizations that manage well are going to be under the spotlight they're going to they're going to shine and i think it is going to be this whole piece around the fact that they've adjusted and put their people first and how they lead has changed. Yeah, no, so so important to get right. Um, I, I like that uh, acronym. Um, I'm not going to change mine just yet. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> There's only so much I can empathise with Joel. So I really don't want to, I'd be really sad all the time if I had to, <laughs> to empathise with Joelle and, and her life situation. Oh my goodness, it's not that bad. <laughs> so um, uh, obviously, uh, and, and Joelle and I actually spoke about this in our very first episode of, of this podcast um, about, you know, we were in crisis mode in relation to work-related stress and psychological injuries before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And obviously 
would only be in a worse situation now compared to a year or so ago. Um, we believe it's the area that the health and safety profession is uniquely qualified to really have an impact in and it needs an impact, right? So, yeah. you know, what do, does IOSH view as critical then for improving psychological health and safety in the workplace? So, so um, we absolutely advocate a prevention first um, approach to this. So, you know, we were talking about data um, most organizations will know what's going on within their organization. They will have sickness absence records. Um, so, you know, that can definitely be a good place to start. Um, but another really good place to start is just talking to people, just having conversations about this um, and having conversations about you know, honest conversations about work. So it's it's the it's the the core fundamentals around this or around, you know, which I'm sure you guys have discussed all the time is demands, control, support, relationships, role and and change. And so if we start having, you know, if we look at those as core principles and, and break that down and have open honest conversations with people within the workplace you know if it was anything else if we were faced with a you know a complex issue in respect of physical health and safety which involved a lot of people and a lot of components we'd get together a focus group wouldn't we we'd say what's the best way to 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 change and adapt to this and talking about this is no different but we've, we're all a little bit afraid and we're all a bit, little bit nervous about it. Um, and we've got to break down those barriers and we've got to break down the stigma attached to it. And, and just things like this, just talking about it starts to do that. Um, so I think having those honest conversations, I love the, uh, the HSC Talking Toolkit. This is another one that I have on my desk, you see. So, you know, the HSE Talking Toolkit, completely free to download. And it just helps you to have, start to have those conversations. And I think that's where the health and safety professional needs to start. Um, and if they build a risk assessment, a risk assessment approach around that, they will start to formulate that prevention first technique. Um, because if you talk to anybody in the workplace about what's causing them pressure, they're going to give you the information they're going to give you back is probably going to be around leadership and management and, you know, feeling like, you know, there's this person in the department who just works in a really different way to me. And the way that they speak to me you know it makes me feel uncomfortable it makes you know it's building pressure um or there could be a, an area within the business where there's a significant there's a bottleneck of pressure as well um and so you're you're looking for the this is why i talk about organizational psychological safety um and we've got to start tackling relationships in the workplace i think as well and being much more open and honest with each other um, and being able to say this is how you make me feel when you do this and for people accepting and taking that on in the right kind of way um, and you know 
health and safety professionals are not psychologists you know we're, we're not any of those things but we can you know we can be a critical friend to the business we can you know talk to the board and provide them information on on what the real issues are within their organization so we can work alongside hr professionals to create leaders that encompass all of this and and for me that's that's the first piece um you know going into sort of secondary and the third you know tertiary areas is you know are we offering people training are we giving them you know somewhere to talking tools so that if they are feeling like they need to talk about how they're feeling there's somewhere to go um and and thirdly it's it's how we support people that you know do become you know ill due to their mental health but we have to look at the organizational pieces first that's absolutely critical and I think we're really well placed to do that we do that in other aspects of health and safety we just need to adapt to this now yeah so what what do you think is preventing it then I mean often this is seen as HR HR's portfolio Mm -hmm. right so how does health and safety have more of a seat at the table if you like when um, talking about workplace mental health and psych health and safety yeah so I you know I, I it's an interesting one isn't it is I mean we need to work really closely with our HR colleagues um but I I think we're better placed to have a more holistic view of this um in you know HR can be you know I think HR can be more black and white than we are actually um because we're good at taking the noise and actually you know saying there's all of this stuff going on but actually these are the main priorities Mm. Um, so HR need to create good leaders. They need to, you know, cre- create good organisational structures. But the health and safety professional needs to work alongside that um, and, and feed into that as well, so that people are talking about this and and doing those risk assessments and monitoring, talking to people, feeding into the HR team it, it it's it is definitely a shared role we can't do their job and I don't believe they can do our job so you know we've got to work together on this yeah no I totally agree so um Louise it's been really interesting talking about I guess um the role of IOSH and and health and safety professionals in in psych mm-hmm. and health and safety and I think everyone agrees and everyone listening to the podcast agrees there's a huge opportunity, I guess, for health and safety to have an impact in, in this area, given the size of the problem, right? Everyone mm-hmm. needs to be involved. Um, so what are your hopes for the future then of workplace mental health? Oh, wow, that's a huge question. Um, I I guess my hope for the future is that we all learn from this. We all ha- start to look at our leadership styles um, we embrace empathy. We embrace, you know, this people first culture, um, and we start to create these environments. If we can create these psychologically safe organisations where people trust each other, I do you know something? To me, that's the core of everything that we do, because if we can create psychological safety in our organisations and real trust when there is a 
a, a safety issue of any kind, somebody's going to come up and say, this isn't right. I don't feel comfortable about this. That gets listened to and change happens. And we create workplaces where everybody has a say, every voice is heard. It's not just the loud shouty voice or the demanding voice. Um, we include everybody. And, and I guess that's my, that's just my, you know, that's a big hope, isn't it? Is, you know, that we create those organizations that are also linked around the world as well. So, you know, we can learn from each other. We can learn from developing nations in the same way that we can, you know, learn from, from you know, other countries. So, so that's my huge hope is that psychological safety becomes a core element that we learn to understand, measure and create trust. Um, within our organization so that they can flourish and our people can flourish. Yeah, it can be as simple as that though, right? You say it's big, but it's about trust and care. Yeah. Right? So, and uh, Clive Lloyd actually spoke at, at length about that one on I think episode 17 of our podcast. Uh, there's a big focus of his, right? Building that trust and care in yeah. organizations. And leadership, leaders have such a big responsibility for that. They can have a massive impact on the psych hazards within their work group by um, yeah, just improving their empathy, as you say, um, yeah. and, and that, that, that trust. I think so. Um, and, and actually just to sort of touch on the whole kind of leadership piece is um, Jason, you, you know, your conversation about what you were saying before you came into this podcast, um, especially when you run a small business, it's really tough and there's no rule book. And, you know, I think we need to look at, um, how we support leaders, particularly in smaller organisations as well, who don't necessarily, you've got to do all of those things. It's just the numbers are different and there's an awful lot of pressure. And when leaders within organisations are under that pressure, um, it, 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 our people are like a mirror to us and they, they will reflect that back. So, so, for us, we need to be strong too. So, so leaders need to consider their own psychological safety too. Um, and I think there's a whole piece of work that you know we could look at around that too. So, so yeah, it goes through the whole organisation. Yeah, absolutely. As a leader myself, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that there's a really big um, element in that in that leadership piece um, around just demonstrating care for yourself as well um you know if you're telling your workforce that you don't want them to work excess hours and that you don't want them to be responding to emails at two in the morning then don't do it yourself you know and yeah take take your annual leave and do all of those things that you know your employees need to do to maintain their health you need to do that yourself as well to send them the message that it's actually okay not only okay but expected um, for them to do it because mm. um, it's always, you know, they'll, they'll do as you do, not as you say. Mm -hmm. 
And that's really difficult because a lot of businesses are clinging on by their fingernails right now. And when you run a business, you do whatever you do to allow that business to survive because, you know, we're responsible for other people's mortgages at the end of the day. So so there's definitely I keep saying I need to write, you know, I need to sort of get my writing pen out and think about this as, as a topic because um you know it is a massive challenge and um and and also supply chains as well so um i i had again before the pandemic i had a really interesting conversation with somebody who was in um marketing and they'd been you know their small business had been hired to to run some campaign or other and the pressure that the client was putting them under was phenomenal she said she said in the end I just left because it was just too much so so you you can see these these are all the type of issues we talk about as health and safety professionals around you know regular health and safety so this is I think we need to see the similarities uh, of, of what we're doing generally within our workplaces and see that they're no different so look, just um, when you go to write that article or however you publish it, just talk about the downside of having too much psychological safety because I can tell you, I, I, we, we joke about that here at work. Joelle has <laughs> no fear at ever uh, at all about telling me what she really thinks. Um, <laughs> there is yeah, you've got to be kind to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all well, right. That's a real skill though, isn't it? It's like how do you say to somebody this is how you're making me feel but in a way that they can receive it there's I mean that's definitely (laughs) how how do you do that definitely a skill (laughs) (laughs) she's like yeah I've got a thick skin so well you know I I gauge um I I gauge what I think you can handle Jason yeah haven't found the line yet (laughs) well you know there's definitely a learning piece around that uh, she's looking for the line she's been looking for a while (laughs) i I also understand that you uh you enjoy our banter so you know i'm i'm providing you with some uh, stress relief thank you joelle it's so (laughs) so generous of you so would you like to talk a little bit more about this (laughs) i thought you weren't a psychologist (laughs) you want to know how it makes me feel okay (laughs) all right louise um do you have i'm sure that you have lots of uh, lots of words of wisdom but um any that you'd like to share for professionals who are thinking about working in the psych health and safety field yeah i mean i would say this is going to become a fundamental piece of, of everything that we can do. If you can create psychological, psychologically safe workplaces, you create trust. And that means health and safety across the board will change. Um, we're at a moment in history right now. And the things that we do and the things that we don't do are, are going to be looked at for generations to come. So I we've just got to make it count and, and work together and support each other through all of this. So no pressure, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Louise, it's been uh, awesome talking to you. That brings us to the end of our chat. I know you're doing a lot of chats this week, so um, we really thank you for the it's time. Chat week. <laughs> <laughs> it's chat week. Um, so where can um, people find out more about IOSH? 
Yeah, so just um, we're at www.iosh.com, um, but also any of the publications that I've um, mentioned, if you literally just Google them, so um, just Google IOSH Workplace Safety, um, Google IOSH um, Healthy Profit, it will all come up. So yeah, have a look at that. And Joel will link them in the show notes as well. Yeah, so and by all means, link up with me on LinkedIn. I always say hello. Yeah, no, she's very friendly, Louise. Uh, <laughs> so look, thanks so much again. Um, uh, and, and listeners, remember that uh, we do publish these as videos on our Flourish DX YouTube page. So feel free to check out the lovely video if you uh, prefer to do that rather than listen to the podcast. And look, if long format isn't your thing, you prefer like little two, four minute chunks, we do publish little video snippets on the Flourish DX LinkedIn page. Uh, so do check that out. And uh, Joel and I share from there as well. Uh, and uh, we're also like Louise, very friendly on LinkedIn. So if you want to say hi or follow us, uh, we'd be happy to connect. Um, so thanks again, listeners, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the Psych Health and Safety Podcast. To stay up to date with the latest on psychological injury prevention, follow Flourish DX on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Psych Health and Safety Podcast at www.psychhealthandsafety.com.